This was, this was two hours before he was arrested and less than a day before he was crucified. And he said to his men this, a little while and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while and you will see me. Now, if that isn't a confusing statement, I don't know what is. <clears throat> Notice he didn't say a little while and you won't see me, and then you'll see me again. He says in a little while you will see me no longer. But then he turns around and contradicts the very thing he said, and he says again a little while and you will see me. Now we think, looking back on this, that we know what he's saying. Well, he died and rose again, and he came back and they saw him. Don't be so quick. Don't be so fast with that. Because if you really evaluate what he said to them, you will become as confused as they were. Look at them in verse 17. So some of his disciples said to, notice, some of his disciples, not all of them, only a few or some, was it three or four or six? We know it wasn't 12. Isn't that interesting that all the disciples weren't asking, what is this that he says to us? Isn't it interesting that not all 12 of them were buzzing in a circle? There was only some of them who cared enough about what he said to question it and to wonder, and to think, and not to be satisfied with just, well, that's what he said, whatever he said, he said, he said. They wanted to know. In the words of Oswald Chambers, when you get saved, don't leave your brain behind. Think it out. Know what it means to know Christ. Now these men might have thought, well, this is such a deep saying, we just weren't meant to know. We, we'll, we'll learn it in the by and by. We get to heaven, it'll all become clear to us. Or they might have thought, we know what he's saying. Kind of like a class when the teacher gets done and says, does everybody understand? thankful for the one in the back who raises their hand and said, and I've done this in classes, I don't know what you just said. And the whole sigh of relief goes out of the, somebody finally questioned it because nobody knows what we're talking about. So notice, by the way, isn't it interesting that when a teacher teaches or a preacher preaches or the boss comes in and gives an announcement and, it's, and it's, everybody wonders, well, what does he mean by that? It's very rarely that you ever ask the preacher or the teacher or the boss. Is it, we all do this. We go to a fellow disciple and go, what do you think he's talking about? I don't know what he's talking about. What do you think? Why don't you go ask him? Why don't you go ask the teacher, the boss, whoever it is? What do you mean by what you said? Isn't it the last, why is it the last pe per person we go to? It's the very person that could tell us what they meant. Isn't that interesting? 
so human nature. Notice what what is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. And they add this from verse 10. Because this on verse 10 stuck in their mind. Because I go to the Father. See, they put that together. They're thinking. That's confusing, isn't it? Theologians over the centuries have battled this one out. Of what he meant, a little while and you will not see me any longer. That's it, period, you will see me. What's the little while? And by the way, let me just, I got to do this. In the mind of God, everything in this life is a little while. You know that. Well, you say it's been 2,000 years. No, it's been just a couple days with the Lord. What you're going through, a little while. You'll go through it no longer. Where you hurt, a little while. That break in your heart, a little while. The struggles of life, a little while. It'll all be over. I like the way God looks at that, don't you? We think, I'll hurt forever. I'll suffer forever. I'll be lonely forever. Little while. Little while. So what did he mean? Did he mean that when he rose from the dead and appeared to them in the, in the house that that was the little while? Did it mean Pentecost, 50 days later, when the Holy Spirit came and he came to live in their hearts? Or did it mean when he returned back to us in the second coming of Christ or the rapture of the church? Was that the little while? What's he talking about? Well, as in most of Jesus Christ's sayings, there is a local application and then a broader view. I'm not sure we have to pick here. One of the keys in understanding these verses is to understand in the original language The first C is different than the second C. S-E-E. The first C that we see in all these verses is different in the Greek language than the second word that Jesus used. Well, let's go back and look at it in verse 16. A little while and you will see me no longer. That word in the Greek to see simply means to be a spectator. To watch from a distance. To be a fan at the stadium. Not to be involved in the game, but to watch from a distance. This, by the way, that's the first process of becoming a Christian, being a spectator. Some of you are spectators here today. You have been watching him from afar as a spectator. You have not come to Christ yet. You have not been born again yet. But his life interests you. He's fascinating to you. His miracles and the things he taught. You're a spectator and that's okay. You've got to be that for a while. The second C is this. Notice in verse 16, In a little while and you will see me. It means in the Greek to gaze upon something or someone that is remarkable. And amazing. It means to gaze upon one that takes your breath away. It means to look at one. And then the second part of the word means to have an inspection that never ends. 
to gaze upon one that is remarkable, beautiful, exquisite, that words can't even express. And then to be so grabbed by your attention of this one that you inspect that life for the rest of your life. Progressively. It has the idea of progression. I remember my spectator stage was in my mid to late teens. I remember growing up in a house that didn't know Christ, going to church in a dead religion, and I began to read the Bible. In fact, my mom would catch me in my bedroom reading my Bible, which is always a good thing for a mother to catch their teenager doing. I remember watching King of Kings with Jeffrey Harden Hunter, I think, back in the 70s and being fascinated. I remember looking into the mirror to see if my eyes looked like Jeffrey Hunter's eyes because he had spectacular eyes. But that was spectating. At age 19, I received him as my savior. And then I was gazing upon someone that was remarkable. I realized he died for me. Never really kind of overcame that deal. But over the years, it progresses. And I began to ask the questions that these men were asking and, and wondering, what is this thing about the Christian life? Because what I'm being taught doesn't bring any kind of victory in my life. And rather settle into a, a dead formal legalism, I began to ask the uncomfortable questions that kind of ostracized me from that group. Because if victory was, if we were more than conquer, I wasn't experiencing that. And I wanted to know more. I wanted to know more. And so I began to question that. And he who had been a savior to me was now becoming more than that. He was becoming my very life. And that's the way it goes. Now he is someone more just to serve or to work for or to put in my hours or, 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 or to do things in order to be blessed. I see him now as the great blesser who blesses me all the time regardless of how I'm behaving or acting or serving. Now all service is a result of his life, not in order to get something. These men ask questions. Are you asking those tough questions? Or have you settled? It goes on. I love verse 18. It says, So they were saying, What does this mean by a little while? We don't know what he's talking about. Now Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. So he folds his arms and he stands in the corner and says, you know, I'm not talking to these guys till they come to me. <laughs> Don't you love the Lord? He doesn't wait for us. He comes to us. I know you want to ask it, so I'm just going to tell you. In verse, notice verse 19. Is this what you're asking yourselves? What I meant by a little while you will see me, and again a little while and you... You will not see me, and again a little while you will see me? Rephrases it for him. Verse 20, truly, truly, I say to you, 
you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. Now ask yourself the hard questions. Don't breeze over the verses and go, I know what he's talking. You don't know what he's talking about. Because who was weeping and lamenting when he died? Was it the Sanhedrin? That doesn't sound like the world to me. How many, I mean, did they have a celebratory celebration in Rome that Jesus was crucified? They didn't even know it. You know, did they break out the Chinese fireworks in the Orient and just blast them all over the sky thinking, oh, he's dead, he's dead, he's dead, and the world rejoices. Nothing like that was going on. But let me tell you something. When Jesus Christ was crucified, the world believed they were done with him. They were finished with him. And for the last 2,000 years, or two days, depending on whose calendar you're looking at, the world has said, we're done with Jesus Christ. We have crucified him, and unless you step inside the doors of a church, or some Christian hookwinks you into sharing the, sharing the gospel with, you're left alone in the world, as far as Jesus Christ is concerned. As long as the Holy Spirit leaves you alone, you can go about your life. The world is just about happy to lay him gone, crucified. Notice, he goes on to say, Truly, truly, I say unto you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful. I appreciate that. appreciate the fact that Jesus understands our sorrow, and but your sorrow, notice, he says, will be turned into joy. Not happiness, joy. Happiness is when you get stuff. And it lasts about 15 seconds. Joy is the presence of Jesus Christ in your life and a presence that will not go away. Happiness is when ministry's going good. And that lasts about 18 seconds. Joy is when all you care about is Jesus Christ no matter how ministry's going. Happiness is when the boss pats you on the back, which doesn't happen very often. Usually there's pressure from a different place and a little harder, a little lower. Notice, when a, this is one of my favorite illustrations of Jesus. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow, she has pain. Because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Now, Karen, this is the only verse that Karen says is not true in the Bible because she says, I will never forget the pain that I had given birth. (laughs) But it's been... Over 30 years, so maybe the pain has kind of gone away in her mind. Maybe you never forget it. But notice the illustration is one of pregnancy and of birth. Jesus always told stories about life, never death. He always told stories about life. Notice, let's go on and finish the verses, then we'll draw this thing to a close. Notice verse 22. So also you will have sorrow now. Are you ready? Let these words hang on your heart. I will see you again. I will see you again. 
You're going, we're going to see Jesus Christ again. All the work that God does in and through our lives and all the miracles he does over the years and all the drudgery and pain and sorrow, we will see him again. Yes, we will. And seeing is believing, is it or not? I want to see him with my eyes. We will, he said, I will see you again. No fancy illustrations for you here. No quotes. You just need to remember the words of Jesus Christ. He will see you again. And you will see him. That is, that's called food for the soul. Notice he says, and your hearts, they will rejoice. And no one, nothing, will take your joy away from you. Is this true when the Holy Spirit came down within our hearts because he said, I go to the Father? Yes, it is. Praise God. He lives in our hearts. And really, with the, with the eyes of our heart, we see him now. Don't you see him? I see him with faith clearer than I do with these right here. I don't think he's present here in this place. I know he is. I don't wait to feel it. Notice he said, you'll feel me. He said, you will see me. Is it true when he returns? Yes, it's true also. But I want to close with this illustration. Pregnancy starts at conception. It just does. Pregnancy begins long before the heart beats within the womb. It starts at conception. There is a life planted in a woman by a physical process that ends up with that life giving birth out of that woman. When you got saved, the seed of the life of Jesus Christ was planted in you. And maybe you didn't... And by the way, a a woman usually has to tell us she's pregnant, unless she waits three months and then you kind of figure it out. There's no visible sight of it. It's just, you know, they kind of know. As that life grows, there's more expression, is there not? You know, I've never, seen, I've never seen a clinic for women that taught them how to help their baby grow. You know, you're going in as five steps to... Now, there's health things that you kind of do, but you don't do 20 sit-ups to help it along. It just grows. It is the greatest illustration of the Christian life and what it means to grow. There's a life inside of you. And attention to that life, bigger and bigger and bigger it grows. Bigger it grows. You ever seen a woman that's nine and a half months pregnant, got a basketball right there? You don't see her face, you don't see her hair, you don't see her legs. All you see is that belly coming at you. You know, and then if they got a little button that stick, you see that anyway. All you see is belly. All you see is belly coming at you. The longer you know Jesus Christ, the more he grows within your life. And the more that life is expressed through you, they don't see you anymore. They see him. Yeah, I, I love, I think it's Casting Crown's new song, My Story. Great song. 
You want me to tell you my story? Really, my story is his story. I'll tell you a victory, but that victory wasn't mine. It's him. Do you know him? Has that life been planted in you? Are you a spectator to Jesus Christ? Have you gazed upon him in beauty, receiving him as your Savior? And if you have, have you stopped asking the questions of what does victory mean? What does it mean to be free from sin? What does it mean to to know that I'm forgiven? If you think you figured Jesus Christ out, you haven't scratched the surface yet of His glory and of His presence and of His person. I see His magnificent everywhere I go. I see His hand in everything I do. Do you know Him today? A little while. And you will, what did he mean a little while and you see me no more? You see me no more as I was. He's saying to these men, you watched me for several years as a, as, as a preacher who went around. When you see me again, you will never see me like you saw me before because I will not be like I was before. I will be glorified. I will live in your hearts. When you get saved, it's almost like you didn't even see him before you got saved. And the longer you live, looking back on it, it's almost like you didn't see him because you're seeing him in new light that you never saw him before. Ever fresh, ever changing, never stale. 